Hello. Welcome to Hazardous Opinions. I'm Eric. There's Andy. And today Hello. we are talking about 12 Angry Men, a movie that came out in 1957. It's an old one. It's a crime drama film. It talks about a group of jurors with the life of one boy in their hands debating whether he's guilty or not guilty. Yeah, it's a very simple like bottle movie. It uh, takes place almost entirely in one room. Very uh, suspenseful, though, at times. Yeah. Or dramatic, I guess is the better word. As it yeah, means. dramatic. Yeah. It's explosive. <laughs> like Impactful. 12 sticks of dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> Love that stuff. So this is now the oldest movie beating uh, Strange Love that we've covered. So... Oh, it's older yeah. than Strange Love? Yeah, by almost a whole decade. 12 years, I think. Over a decade. So, uh, I think so. I think that one came out in 65, though. 65, so eight eight years then? Yeah. Eight, yeah, eight years. Pretty, pretty close. But yeah, this was uh, directed by Sidney Lumet, who doesn't really do anything else that I'm aware of. From Would you say Sumay? Yeah, if I'm pronouncing that right, I don't think it would be pronounced Lummet. <laughs> Lumet. But Lumet sounds fancier that way. But it yeah, does. Starring uh, Henry Henry Fonda as our one of our lead characters here, as one of the most important jurors of the twelve, and then has a bunch of other actors that. Uh, I'm sure we are both unaware of as no one in this movie is alive at this point. Are they really? Yeah, I actually went through it and uh, I think the last surviving person passed in 17. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. Pretty much no one left from this movie. That's crazy. Well, we have a little, uh, archeological piece here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a weird note about this movie. No one's actually named throughout this movie. We hear two names at the end, but other than that, everyone is just juror one through 12. And then there's the judge and the accused, which I thought was a really interesting way to develop this kind of piece. We, um, because we find out a lot about each person, but it doesn't. Like, it's not necessary to really go into their lives too much other than the parts that relate to their decision making for being a juror. So it was kind of an interesting thing to keep their names out of it. Yeah, in uh, in a way, it makes sense uh, because, I mean, all these characters, they don't really they don't really care to know their name. I mean, especially at the beginning, all they were trying to do was just say that he was guilty and go home. But uh, one guy, the one, the character that Henry Fonda played, he's he's the only one that says not guilty. And then I think that just kind of cascades into a whole argument. They do like they do some investigation on the case and everything, too. And uh, it's uh, it's nice. There's a lot of um, political issues that uh, that are highlighted throughout this. Uh, it's it's definitely insightful. I mean, it is definitely of its time. Yeah, you know, uh, Piglet was one of our jurors too. <laughs> like Piglet? a Piglet from Way the Pooh. Really, the uh, the voice actor for him, uh, John Fieldler. Oh, really? I didn't know so, that. Yeah, it was an interesting piece of trivia when I was looking through the, the cast here, trying to see if I actually recognized anyone. So, yeah, it was uh, it was hard to match people to their uh, to their filmography pages because their faces changed so much from this movie to uh, what their final pictures end up being. So I yeah. had to wait for the one scene in the movie where they were all named uh, by their numbers. To actually look them up, but uh, oh yeah, yeah, because um, yeah. So yeah, what do you uh, what do you give this movie out of ten? 
as insightful as it is, and I mean, the acting was great. I I do like the premise and everything, and I I mean, as good as it is, I honestly found it kind of mid because like I just like I wasn't as entertained as I probably could be. Yeah, especially for me being an action movie fan or horror movie fan, I guess. I don't know. Uh, it's so I, I guess the entertainment factor was a little low for me as, as good as it was. So I guess I'll give it like a, a six, which is kind of low compared to popular opinion. But I, yeah. I just didn't find it all that great, I guess. Well, that's fair. It's also. uh uh, multiple generations old at this point. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Not that that completely uh, stops a movie from being good, as we've seen from Strange Love. But no, yeah, <laughs> that's that's true. I uh, it could be my profession, but I love the hell out of this movie. I also just really enjoy talk pieces, like a lot of Tarantino stuff as well. I think is why I enjoy it. I like good dialogue. Like I don't need huge action set pieces or lots of sets and traveling around a place or anything magical happening. Like just good, interesting dialogue is really all you need for for a solid movie. Yeah. And I think this movie delivered. And I would put this strongly up in like the eight seven, eight eight category for me. Okay. Just, just short of a nine. Nice. Okay. I could definitely see how um, you would like this movie, especially with it being in your uh, profession. Uh, So uh, one question I wanted to ask you, because you, uh, uh, you know, you're in, you you study this stuff. So like, what do you think of the, yeah, I know this is like a a democratic thing. We've always had it, but like, what do you think of the Mm -hmm. whole idea of someone's you know life in the hands of these ordinary people from i mean at the time now it was just all you know white men but like whatever i mean diversity or not you know what do you think it was just like 12 random people the life of you know the accused is in their hands yeah I don't know. I think I I vary on it. Yeah. Because I I think for the most part the system does work. But obviously there's flaws and there's people innocent people that do go to jail and there's guilty people that do get off. Because you're just relying on just twelve random people to agree one way or another. Right. I I don't know. I've I've thought about the topic a lot and the alternative would be having a judge decide. Yeah. Which is way worse. It is. I mean, that's putting, you know, all the power into one guy's hands or, you know, or girl. I mean, it's, yeah. it doesn't matter, but like, then you're trusting someone who, who knows the law better, but I mean, no one is free from bias. Right. Completely. That's true. And, that that really shines through this film because like since they almost just straight up just said he was guilty like right away without even talking about anything it only took one guy to say be like hold on let's actually think about this before doing it so like these guys are just trying to go home and watch the game or whatever right yeah and that's just like in there they're so you know, cavalier about this, this verdict. And I just, I I was, I was baffled, honestly. And that's where I think one flaw is in our system. There is, I don't think the uh, layperson knows the actual differences between standards of proof, like what beyond a reasonable doubt actually means Yeah, when it comes to these kind of things. Luckily, in this movie, I think the majority of the jurors were more educated to what that meant. But there was one or two that did obviously not 
not know that. Yep. And that's part of the reason that we have jury instructions and we have Wadir um, for the jury selection process and different safeguards like that and other things in the court system to give the defense uh, more of a leg up because there's less resources on that side. But you had people like our, our one juror at the end who was still holding out, even though he obviously had he had no reasonable argument. doubts. Yeah. Yeah. Because the beyond a reasonable doubt is supposed to be like just that. Like if you have like any shred of doubt that this person did not do it, you should not vote guilty. Okay. Whereas some other types of evidence, it might be more like preponderance, uh, which you don't really see in like jury trials, but yeah, where it's like more likely to be the not, which is what a lot of people weigh their actual beliefs on. Yep. Is uh, it's could be, I mean, I'd lean more towards guilty, but it should be really like, you know, for sure this person's guilty. Yeah. Like you have no doubts. And, um, yeah. And, um, so at the beginning, that was one thing I, I found kind of interesting, uh, especially at the beginning is that they all use their personal biases as means of determining him guilty. Cause so every time when they went around the room asking, you know, why do you think he's guilty? And he's like, Oh, well I knew mm-hmm. it as soon as I saw him. I'm like, Oh, yep. That's, you know, <laughs> it's cause, cause they're racist or whatever it's, and it's not yeah. really a, a good reason at all for, you know, ending the life of another individual just because you just saw him and then they're like, Oh yeah, guilty. And I, I just, I couldn't believe it. I didn't think that they would be that cavalier about, you know, someone's first degree murder trial. Yeah. But I, I do like 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 Henry Fonda and some of the other jurors, how open minded they were on some aspects. Yeah. Like um they were completely willing to give like the benefit of the doubt in some situations where they were discussing the the accused the defense attorney. You're like, well, he was court appointed. Yep. I mean, technically he had a lawyer, but they were also giving him the benefit of the doubt, saying, hey, Maybe his lawyer just didn't have the motivation for this case. Maybe he just wasn't experienced enough. Stuff like that uh, as different excuses for why his lawyer didn't present certain defenses. But even the people in the jury box that you would normally like think, oh, hey, they have stuff in common with the defendant. You'd think they would vote their way they still kept an open mind to the fact that the prosecution had a really good case and voted guilty because of that. Like you had the juror. I I can't remember all their numbers, but the one that did grow up in the slums, they voted guilty. And then later as he thought about it more and considered more evidence, started to lean towards innocent. Yeah. And you had the other one that was uh, an immigrant as well. And, um, wasn't English first language and yeah, just very interesting culture stuff all over with this movie. For its time. Yeah. Yeah. Another interesting thing is that uh, he was willing to call him stupid just because he didn't know English. Yeah. And uh, you know, I guess not. I mean, I guess I don't know if it's like public knowledge, but like English is like pretty hard to learn if you're not, if it's not your native language. So I've heard these are so many uh, nuances of certain words that just don't make sense or when they uh, change the words. And there's also a lot of slang to it too. So, and figures of speech and all that. So, yeah, I mean, obviously there, I mean, there's prejudice going on with that statement too, but, um, that's also another thing is like condemning someone's intelligence just because they don't know English is just like a very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? English. 
archaic. Yeah, I guess I guess archaic. It's an archaic way of thinking because it, it is really hard to learn, and it's like there's a lot of lack of compassion going on with these with these guys, especially at the beginning. But I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Henry Fonda's character, he uh, pretty much tries to plant a seed of empathy within the rest of them, try to make them understand that, you know, you know, this is someone's life about to end. If we just say he's guilty, like, let's just forget all of our problems right now. Let's try to figure out his case. And, uh, yeah, that's something I really liked about it. Yeah, one of the most interesting things to me is that he didn't even think he was innocent. He just wasn't sure if he was guilty. Yeah. Henry Fonda. So he just had this shred of doubt and just wanted to hear some what other people thought for a little while. Yeah. And obviously, it, it turned into a lot more discussion. With the whole presence or precedence of uh you know innocent until proven guilty i feel like he really believed that so he's gonna say not guilty until he's completely convinced that he is guilty so he could have he could have went either way he just wanted to be convinced of one side or the other and i think that's uh a good practice to have in the court system for sure yeah and there was another juror as well. The, I think it was juror two. Um, the, the one that was holding on at the very end and didn't want to, to give up his, his beliefs. He was very stuck in his ways that people growing up in poverty and growing up in these certain neighborhoods were always going to commit crime. Yeah. And uh, the the old man across the room as well. They got very belligerent about it. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely felt that way. I feel like that's still something we see a lot today. You'll see poor defendants. And you'll see like a rap sheet with these people. And people will assume, oh, they, they grew up in this kind of culture. So, of course, they did the crime. Yeah, of course like they did it. Of course they're they violent did. or whatever. Yeah. They, uh, you know, they got caught for shoplifting a few times. Of course, they go out and murder somebody. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's just, I don't know. It's just a weird way of thinking, I guess. There's a, there's a lot of really good logical thinking throughout this movie, too. There is. Uh, each yeah. person, I think, I don't think any of the jurors don't get a chance to shine. Like, each of them has their moment where they bring up a crucial piece of evidence in the case. And they either lean one way or the other on it, but have usually pretty good arguments. Like uh, the, what was it? The, um, I really wish I did have names for this purpose. <laughs> Juror to the one that did keep getting angry about everything and was holding on to the end um, was yeah. arguing with them about how long it would take for the old man witness to get to the door. And if he actually heard what happened above him because of the train noise Mm -hmm. and he starts getting really heated and into the argument. And he finally like exclaimed at the end, he's like, Oh, what would he know? He's old anyways. He probably doesn't even know what he's talking about. And then the whole room just (laughs) goes quiet as he realizes what he said. Didn't were we just talking about how there could be a reasonable doubt and you were just being so certain before that, you know, all the evidence you need is um, what the witness said, said, (laughs) you know. And then uh, they turned out. Sorry, it turned out both the witnesses were actually not, you know, plausible in any way. Well. In yep. some ways, but not completely. Yeah, because they got near the end, and I think the uh, the female's testimony was the last one they were focusing on. Yeah. And as they started to break that down, he goes, well, what about all the other testimony? And Piglet reminds him, he's like, you said we could throw out all that. All that matters was this witness. <laughs> yep. A lot of his words were used against him in this argument. 
So, so you could tell that he was pretty much just making it up as he goes, just so <laughs> he can try to convince people to, that he's guilty. You know, I love you. Just you, you know where the, the movie is going overall. And yeah. then like, obviously it's going to get to the innocence at the end. I mean, you've seen enough movies to know where it's going and it still is really cool to see that journey of the numbers slowly swaying the other way. Yeah. Um, as as arguments are presented for each person, and you could see each person starting to 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 realize it. Yeah, there's like a little marker on a on a spectrum, and you could just like at least how I saw it in my head, it was just like slowly going to the other <laughs> side. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I was. I was at the beginning without having enough evidence for the case. Like I could have been convinced either way. Uh, One of the characters said that he claimed that he went to the movies and didn't remember like when he was questioned by the police, he didn't remember what film he went to. And I'm like, ah, that's kind of a kind of sketchy. That's kind of sketchy. But uh, when and your knife just fell out of your pocket. Yeah, and the hole. knife just fell out of your pocket. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, I don't know, man. That that sounds kind of guilty to me. <laughs> but um, when he presented the the fact of you know emotional distress, I'm like, okay, yeah, that it, if he just found his dad dead, and then you know, I could see how like everything else in your mind can just go out the window. Yeah, and that that was one part I focused on as well. I was trying to remain pretty neutral throughout this as well and let the arguments take me where it took me. Yeah. And I was like, okay, you don't like you. Why didn't you know what movies you've seen coming from my, my stable mind, not distressed right now. I just like, I could easily remember that. Like the one guy argued and then they later break it down and add new information that, Oh, the testimony or like his statement that he couldn't remember the movies was given three hours like after the murder or like a couple hours after the murder when he'd just come home and found out his dad was dead and he was being yeah. questioned three hours. Like why would he return? And that, that was a good argument too. Yeah. I was, I was thinking like typically with investigations, you, you'd probably get like an initial statement, but you're going to probably have follow-up interviews. Yeah. So you'd think in those follow-up interviews with the police, they would have had given him more time to think about his story and stuff and remember the movies. And so that was the kind of thing I was expecting. I'm like, Oh, they give you time and you got interviewed later and you still didn't remember the movies. That's like a really like faulty story, but yeah, obviously it's more evidence comes in. You, you sway a little bit. Yeah. And like, and that's how it was pretty much like by the time it was the end of the movie, I was like, okay, that boy is 100% innocent. This is a, <laughs> this is a hate crime. Well, not, I wouldn't say a hate crime, a hate prosecution pretty much. Cause they just found the first person they could find and then, uh, prosecuted them. The- Cause I mean, who else is there to blame? We don't know who actually killed his dad. I don't believe that the boy did it, but like who, who else could have done it? But, I mean, either way, I'm imagining the case went well and he got exonerated. They left so much gray in this movie still, though. Like, of course, you don't know who actually killed his father and why the timing just happened to be like that. You don't um, like neither of the witnesses had any personal bias to it. Like they, they go through both of their testimonies and they're like, okay, maybe the old man just convinced himself that that's who he saw just because it was a quick thing. And then the woman across the street couldn't actually see it that well. And you're just kind of like, you're piecing things together in your mind and it's not even like intentional that you're putting someone else in there. You just sometimes can fabricate your own memories. Yeah, that's, that's true. Uh, we don't really know anything about the prosecution. They did tell us the detectives roughed the guy up a bit. So maybe they were racist and just looking for someone to blame, but 
where you don't really. I don't really I would totally details. believe that. But the uh, the judge definitely looked bored as fuck given the jury instructions, though. Yeah, just like get this over with. Yep. And uh, yeah, so so there was two witnesses, correct? Yes. Uh, one the was old the old lady. man that lived upstairs or downstairs beneath them beneath them and then he heard he heard the boy say I'm gonna kill you and Henry Fonda he uh he brings up this this point that it is it's just a figure of speech like people say to each other all the time like I'm gonna kill you you know I'm I'm gonna kill you if you don't do this or whatever and then like that's just something people say but like his argument also, or uh, Juror Two's argument was, well, he screamed it at the top of his lungs. I don't think anybody really says that at the top of their lungs if they don't really, if they don't really mean harm, unless they're in, in like a domestic argument or something. But even then, like that, that's still a pretty heavy. Maybe it's just like at the time people would say that all the time, like, but like. In today's age, like I don't really hear people saying I'm going to kill you because I think think they brought up the counter arguments that is he's like, if he actually had an intention to kill him and it wasn't a figure of speech, why would he scream it loud enough for people to hear? Yeah, that's true. Especially if it was premeditated. Yeah. Yeah. So he went out and bought a knife. Yeah. Which the knife was also an interesting thing. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, this is a unique knife. I, I don't know how it being unique had anything to do with it being uh what wh- what did that mean i think they they want to argue that he bought a knife like this and this a knife like this was also the murder weapon so oh since right. it was such a unique knife what are the chances it could have been someone else with this knife yeah and they ended up having the same exact knife in his pocket <laughs> it's like it's not that unique maybe it is i mean just because none of them saw it, like who's into knives, you know? Yeah. And each each person in this jury room had like such interesting life experiences as well to all bring to this. Yeah. Like the um the guy from the slums obviously had more street experience. He could tell people about like how you'd actually use the knife because he was the only one that had been in a knife fight in the room. Yeah. And then you had the old man sitting next to Fonda who had the experience of being an old man. He could more see from the shoes of the, the older witness. Yeah. Just different stuff around the room. That was, is pretty neat and makes me want to have like a newer version of this movie. Like obviously you'd have it more modernized. You'd have it, um, like a selection depending where they're from. Cause if it's, if they use New York again, like they did in this movie, obviously it's not going to be just 12 white guys. No. So it'd be cool to see some interesting different perspectives and different age groups as well. Yeah. I would like to see that too. Yeah. That could be, that could be very interesting. It would, it would kind of, uh, you know, give a summarization of like, you know, kind of like a peek into the modern cultures of today in America and bring them all into one room and uh, see what they think of, you know, the situation, I guess. Yeah. You could bring a lot of social movements and commentary into there and like update a lot of this dialogue to be accurate now and get Tarantino to do that since I like his dialogue so much. Yeah. They could do something, yeah, it would be something along the lines of like a South Park episode. Yeah. It would everybody yeah. would enjoy it because everybody could relate, you know, be post pandemic, uh or during the pandemic. <laughs> Everybody's wearing a mask. <laughs> yeah, I um I've never been a juror myself, so it is a very interesting peek into behind those doors of how do you talk about the fate of someone's life, like in your hands or one yeah, twelfth? Talk about pressure. Hands. Yeah. And yeah. in uh jury duty, that that's uh mandatory, right? Technically, but I mean, 
there's a lot of ways to get out of it. If okay. you really don't want to go, you can yeah. find ways to get yourself eliminated. But I mean, it is our civic duty and it's, I mean, a lot of times you're just going to be trying a DUI or something. Right. I mean, there's the chance that you get on an important case. And I think it's really important to, and not, not the DUIs aren't important. Like obviously there could be death or loss of life there or big consequences down the line if it's not punished correctly. But I don't know. People don't take it very seriously. The whole jury duty situation. No, I mean, because I feel like most jury duty cases aren't really that huge. That's why I think most people don't. They're not as huge as this anyways, because we don't have like the electric chair anymore or anything. Well, they have there's life (laughs) sentences, but there's no like death sentences, is there? It depends per state. It's still like half the states that do. Oh, really? I didn't yeah, know that actually. I think uh, Idaho or Oregon, one of the two, just brought back firing squads. Oh my! As, as an option, not as like a standard. Just um, just as an alternate to if they didn't have the drugs for lethal injection. Who uh, who makes that decision? I believe it's legislation slash governor. No, like it. Like if it's an option, who makes the decision on like what happens to the person? Oh, typically in most states, it is the defendant's choice how they want to die. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, because I think it was uh, Utah. I was looking into one of the states down there, Utah or like Colorado, where they had the last public um, public hanging. I think that's what it was. And they actually had like lethal injection or the, the shocky chair, and, but they chose hanging because that's just what they wanted. Wow. Is there still witnesses to that? Uh, I believe you can witness public ex or um, you can witness executions, but I think you need to have a nexus. Like you probably need to be press or like family or something or be invited. Oh my god. Usually they're pretty closed room things, I think, for the chair and for lethal injection. Yeah. God damn. I mean it'd be it'd be cool. Not not cool. But like from like a professional perspective, I should say. Yeah. It would be nice to see one just to be informed. Like if it's gonna be a thing how I've always felt about my perspective on the death penalty is I don't think I should really have a say until I've seen one. Right. Cause, um, yeah, exactly. Cause I mean that, that'll, uh, that'll really make it heavy for you because, uh, you know, then you, then you won't have to worry about being cavalier about it. Like these guys are. Yeah. I think, I should like know the case, know what happened, and then be there for it. And if knowing what someone did, like however heinous, um, and then seeing the execution, like still makes you a proponent for the death penalty. Yeah. Then sure, then you have a very valid reason to be for the death penalty. Yeah. But if like you're like, okay, this person murdered someone, and you go to the death, the uh, the viewing, and you. I don't know, just like couldn't couldn't do that, like watch the loss of human life, then I don't know if you could say you're for the death penalty. Yeah, I mean, there's not really much that could, you know, substitute that experience, that life experience anyways. And if, uh, you know, if you have that kind of power in your hands, you know, it's like. It'll make you uh, more receptive to, uh, you know realizing what is justice and what's not justice. I don't know. I could be, it could get philosophical about it, but like, you know, what is justice anyways, you know, have have you heard about that? uh, Alex Murdo case, Alex Murdo. I believe so. Yeah. Then he, uh, I think he, he killed his family. Um, I, I don't remember exactly 
what happens. I think he, uh, Murda, Murdo. Yeah, that sounds right. He killed his wife and their kids. Yeah, that's what he did. So, yeah, you went to prison now, but that was a long trial that happened a couple weeks ago. Hmm. Yeah, I, um, obviously those kind of my way of thinking about that belief doesn't apply to everything. Like you don't have to have an abortion to have an opinion on abortion. Yeah. Uh, even with the death penalty, you don't have to see one. You can still have an opinion on it. I just personally, that's how I would like to, to view it. But yeah, I mean, uh, that's fair. The actual movie. No, I, <laughs> Sorry, well, I, I mean, it is, it is related, but yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of really good quotable lines in this movie too. The old man is talking about the other older gentleman's testimony and he caps it off with saying it's a very sad thing to mean nothing. Uh, It just kind of had me thinking a little bit about like sometimes people do make these irrational decisions for attention not not that this old man did that, but like what what happens when you live your 70, 80 year old life and you were never in the newspapers or, you know, never on popular on social media as it would be translated to today. You never had any attention. You were just you worked and you died. Yep. Yeah, that's, uh, that's reality, I guess. I mean, depending on who you are and depending on what you're happy with, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. It just made me really, really sad for the old guy, and had me thinking about it a little bit. Yeah, that is, that is definitely a, a quote that is, I would urge people to think about. Yeah, well, there's there's a lot of dialogue in this movie, even though this movie is late fifties. It still relates really closely to our society today, almost sixty years later. Yeah almost 70 like the angry dude is talking about how kids used to call their father sir and like there used to be respect and stuff like that and i feel like i hear that same kind of thing from from our previous generation too yeah like it's it's still a thing that's talked about that's always a thing um respect your elders uh it's it's always been a thing that i've i've been taught and uh, I think that's just a generational thing. I mean, it's not like it, it's weird because I don't want to say that, um, you know, all elders like deserve like a certain degree of uh, respect. I mean, based off of because, you know, they're just older and wiser, but <laughs> yeah. they also I mean, it, it's uh it's just a thing. I, I think it's it's a positive, uh, I want to say, like a culture thing to have is just to um, respect older people because it's likely that they know a lot of, more about life than you do. And I mean, whether whatever their opinions may be, I mean, good or bad, I mean, the fact is, is that that's, that's what they know. And they they probably know some things that you don't. Yeah, I agree with that. They um I, I like that they uh like you'd mentioned, the they use the angry guy's words against him a lot in this movie. Because yep. he's the one that goes on the rant about uh, respect for your elders. And then he goes on to disrespect the older gentleman in the room, the older juror. Yeah. And they, they call him out for that shit. They're like, hey, this guy's older and you listen to him. Yeah, like it seems like he has a lack of self-awareness because he'll go out saying, you know, telling people a bunch of things, but then he just won't abide by them himself. Like he doesn't actually I don't think he actually believes what he's saying. That That's how you can tell that someone is just making it up as they go when they don't actually believe what they're saying. They're actually trying to manipulate you. Yeah, he was very. I think he's very emotionally invested in the case is yeah. why he, he didn't want to 
to fall into the to the innocent category because obviously he seen something of his son and the defendant and and didn't want to uh you know to to, to face those kind of internal questions yeah and um that wasn't really apparent throughout the film until he you know looks at the picture of his son and breaks down crying when he finally says he's the last one to say not guilty and uh i feel like they they touched on it earlier in the movie when they talked about how hard the defendant's dad was on him and that he beat him all the time and then the angry juror talks to fonda and shows him his picture of his son and was like yeah i i made my son a man too and then like one day he got in a fight with me and I haven't seen him in like two years. Oh, so he has some guilt for abusing him. And I think that's where he doesn't want to justify, you know, the boy killing his dad, whether it be for self-defense or not, just because he can put himself in that dad's shoes and just doesn't want to be killed. Is that what I'm getting out of it? Yeah. I think there's just some internal guilt of where he's, He's viewing an alternate situation, sort of, yeah. of like what could have happened with his, like, oh, I pushed my son a lot to be masculine, and it turned out like, no, I was just abusing him. Yeah. And in this situation, it turned out where a guy got killed. Not not really because of the beating. We don't really right. find out who the murderer is, but Yeah. So was it ever brought up that it could have been an act of self-defense? I think they talked about it a little bit, but yeah, I don't, I don't think it was a main point at all. Okay. I think, I think it should have been like one of the main points. Like they already had all the information about how his dad treats him. Like, wouldn't that be an apparent motive, I guess? I wouldn't even say motive. I'd say it would knock it down from a first degree to second degree if, you know, the the dad went a little too far. Like a justification. Yeah, justification, I guess, which is still illegal. I understand that. But, you know, who knows? Who knows what could have been happening? And I think that's like what the main point of their discussion was, is that they don't actually know. So, like. Then they're like, okay, we should sit down and talk about it and try to figure out more instead of just going off of what we heard in that courtroom. Yeah, and it's an interesting point, and I think it almost would cause Fonda to have to acknowledge guilt, but then justify it. Yeah. And I think he was leaning more towards innocent as he found more out about the case. And yeah. So I, don't I know, mean, it's it, a different path they could have taken. Yeah, if, if it turns out to be a, a case where um, he wasn't even one, the one that killed his dad, you know, it's not even really a, a point to go down the path of self-defense anyways. So I, I think the more there is more evidence stacking towards it wasn't even him than it was yeah. an act of self-defense. Yeah, I um, I really like, like I said, the writing in this this movie, it doesn't even feel like a script a lot of times like these people feel very real to me like i've i've i could supplant a lot of people i've known in my life onto these people and they just feel like very real like people i've known and i think that was really good for a movie that's supposed to be just 12 peers uh yeah from your from your county so yeah and uh I could say the same because uh, they they're like certain degrees of stubbornness are <laughs> shown throughout each of the characters. You know, juror two being the most stubborn, but there's other ones that have like varying degrees of stubbornness before they actually uh, I guess I don't want to say fold because it's more of like a reconsideration than a, a fold. But I mean, I guess it is a fold, too, because they're just they're they're stuck with that belief of being, you know, him being guilty until, you know, the odds are stacked up against him that 
you know, they're not guilty and they end up doing the right thing. And uh, I think that that shows a lot more character than uh, being right or being wrong. Yep. Yeah. Another more procedural note about this movie. The, I like the four person that they chose. He did really good in his role. And someone who deals with anxiety, I can't imagine being in that kind of leadership role, like of 11 other people and saying, Hey, we got to decide if this guy's going to get killed or not. Yeah. So, so good on him for like stepping up and being a good leader there. But I also had, will note that uh, I don't think the evidence thing, when I kept requesting some evidence from the, uh, from the bailiff, I don't think that would work like that. any now anymore nowadays. Yeah. That I, they, they handled the murder weapon itself. Yeah. I rem- I remember, I remember as soon as that happened and they asked for the evidence and then I, I said, I'm like, so they're just going to give it to him. They're yeah. going to give them the murder weapon. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's not even in the bag or anything. It's just like, here's yeah. a knife. But I know this is pre DNA dating, but <laughs> it is. Yeah. Pre DNA. Um, fingerprints, right? They, they did have fingerprints, but it was more of an archaic version of fingerprints. I'm pretty sure they had like, you know, the old tape method, <laughs> just getting the fingerprints on a piece of tape and then comparing it to their records. Be like, yep, yeah, it was them. Yep. <laughs> God, I would love to have been a like forensic person back then. The kind of <laughs> shit you could get away with. It would have been so simple. But now you got like hair follicles, you got <laughs> blood, you got consider it's like sweat or... you know, shoe prints, all that shit. It is so much more advanced now. Like I, I seen a few episodes of NCIS and the shit they do, I know it's I know it's mostly fiction what they do on that show, but like <laughs> They, they come up with some pretty crazy things to catch people. <laughs> yeah. And in the 50s, though not as advanced today, still they get good collection methods. Like imagine back in like the medieval times and shit and um, like in those different eras. Oh, man. Which, if they like, even had a suspicion, you're dead. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> like, There's no we, no such thing as evidence at that time. We, we think this guy's guilty. Uh, his neighbor said he's probably guilty. Like eyewitness testimony is probably all you had back then. Absolutely. And then and that's like circumstantial that's, evidence. Yeah. And that's uh, pretty much all they were going off of in, in the beginning anyways is. Uh, yeah. Well, actually, like most of the movie, the the three most stubborn ones, that's that's pretty much all they did. It's like the woman saw it. The old guy heard it. He's guilty. And yep. I'm just sitting there the whole time. I'm like, okay, so you you can't trust everything everybody says. Anybody can say anything, even under even under oath. Yep. It's possible. And they you know, especially it was, it was all circumstantial evidence. It was it all just cir- added up to be like enough for people to believe it. Yeah. And um you know, especially they didn't even consider like. So like what you said before, like with the lawyer not being so great or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Like the, the lawyer didn't even consider the fact that, you know, the eyewitnesses may or may not have seen what they saw. Like, that's like one of the first questions I, f- I feel like an lawyer lawyer should ask is like, are you 100 percent certain you saw this boy? And then like, you know bring up some counter evidence is like, so if you saw this boy through a moving train, first of all, while you're <laughs> half asleep, you saw this boy murder his father. And it's like, yeah, it's like, I don't know. There, there, there didn't seem like there was apparently the trial was six days. And yep. during those six days, I don't know what the hell they talked about because like that that yes. seems like some things that you would have gotten down to during the trial rather than in this uh, jury meeting. Six days is a pretty long trial, especially when you only have two witnesses and then or two two key witnesses. And then you probably have like your evidential witnesses, like the officers. But yeah. Yeah. So maybe like four witnesses in total is six days. 
Yeah. Like you probably would have got through this in like two or three days. Probably. But I mean, like I, what was, I, don't know. I, I gotta know what that, you know, that lawyer was up to because like, did he actually do anything? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. jurors are also only getting paid $3 a day. They mentioned. So maybe they just take really short days back then. Oh, maybe take like, well, let's work till lunch and then we'll start tomorrow. So they only have like four hours a day or something. Oh, okay. So you could stretch a three day trial out that way, but yeah, so, very, very interesting. So the jurors, do they, do they have those meetings every day of the trial? No, you, so you take notes through the trial. Okay. And then you're kind of dismissed back to hopefully your home if you live close enough. But yeah, they like pay you for travel too, though. Oh, that's cool. Nice. Not, not as much as, as you get working, but I mean, it's still something. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, I, for, for the ending of the movie, obviously he ends up getting acquitted of the crime. But I do wish we kind of got to hear the actual four person like reading the verdict, like at least one scene in the courtroom of that. Yeah. I don't know if that just maybe unnecessarily drags on because the the defendant truly isn't actually like the subject of the movie. It's just about the jurors. So maybe that's just extra stuff that's not needed, but kind of like, cool to see that. I feel like it would have added some closure uh, to the end of it, at least, because it would have been nice to see like him reading off the verdict and, yep. you know, seeing the little Puerto Rican boy, you know, celebrate of, you know, not dying. And yeah. I think that would really uh, hit home for the the whole uh, the whole thing for the movie. Yeah. And his court appointed attorney just being shocked. Yeah. Right. <laughs> It's like what I won, I won. <laughs> so if you uh, if you win a case for your dependent uh, defendant as a lawyer, do you just get paid more, or how does that work? It, it, like if you're court appointed, does the court pay you more? No, there's no oh, difference. It doesn't make okay. But I mean, like you don't want to lose all your cases, or else the court appointee office probably isn't going to hire you. Like if all yeah. you do is take all your cases to trial and lose them. So there's a certain, uh, depends per County, I think, but okay. There's a certain reputation you got to uphold while doing yeah, it. I mean, you also like don't want your career to be known as the lawyer that lost all of his fucking cases. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, good good movie overall. Very, very self-contained and like a one-topic movie, but it, it was good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree. It was pretty good. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, also slowly roping you into black and white movies. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I didn't think I would be uh, convinced that I or I didn't think that I would be a fan of black and white movies until you know I saw. Dr. Strangelove, I'm like, all right, well, this is this is some pretty good comedy. And then uh, this movie, too, is actually pretty good because like, I guess I don't know what I expect from black and white movies because I know a lot, a lot of them. The acting isn't that great, uh, but this one is an exception to that because the acting was very good with this. Yeah, very spot on. I know Henry Fonda's big, though not in our generation. I think he did like old West movies and stuff like that. Uh, I, yeah, I didn't know any of the other actors really other than piglet after I looked at his stuff, but yeah, very for good acting overall in this movie. Yeah. Convincing. You know, a lot of people on IMDb would say this is a, a masterpiece. There's actually a lot of like 10 ratings on this other than all the nines. So I, I can see where people love this movie. Obviously, I personally really love this, but viewing it from a outside myself perspective, I honestly am not sure why this is the fifth fifth highest movie like on IMDb. Yeah, I, there's a lot of movies I think I would place higher, but I, don't know. I I definitely would too. 
but I don't know. I I think it's uh one of those one one of those movies that just stuck out from that decade or whatever. Yeah, I mean, eight hundred six thousand ratings. So obviously, yeah. it's kept up over time. Exactly. So, yeah, I'm very. Cross it off my list off of uh, the top 100. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, soon we'll be done with the top 10 here. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that was uh, 12 Angry Men. It's uh, in black and white from 1957. And it's currently streaming on Tubi with ads. uh, That's where I saw it. Watch it. Yeah. So it's like the same three ads, like every (laughs) uh, 20 minutes or whatever. I got like three uh, Cascade and Tide Pod ads in a row. Really? Each one. So I got toilet paper, diapers, <laughs> and one other one. But like, I'm like, what's up with all the poopy commercials? <laughs> they, just, they just know you're having some uh, sewage issues at home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they know, man. Yeah. So for those who don't know, I got I am having some uh, sewage backup going on in the basement. I I spent all day Friday cleaning up the basement and uh, uh, used a lot of bleach and shoveling around shit. It was uh, pretty disgusting, but I made it through it. And uh, yeah, they just they just know I'm having poopy problems. Yeah. So they're recommending Charmin to clean it up or something. Oh God, I couldn't imagine. It was <laughs> it was a lot of water and a lot of a lot of shit. Ugh. I, I don't I don't wish that on my worst enemy to have to do <laughs> what I did. <laughs> yeah. So uh what what are you watching now? I'm not really watching a whole lot. I am actually like I'm just like I kind of get home and like I play some video games, whatever it may be. Sometimes it's XCOM, sometimes it's Satisfactory, and then like when I go to bed, I'll just throw on some uh, old South Park episodes and then uh, you know watch that yeah. until I go to sleep. That is fair. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we have those weeks. Yeah, that's how it's been for me. What about you? Still been Peaky Blinders. Peaky Blinders, uh, yeah. Up to season four now, so I'm working my way through it. Good shit. Good shit. Hoping to catch up some more on movies after I'm done with that. Yeah, definitely. There's there's a lot of uh, recent releases I want to go see Ant-Man, and I think there was another Marvel one that just came out, too. Oh, yeah. What what was that? Oh, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. Yeah. Yep. So. And, uh. There's also another movie I wanted to see. It was called uh, it's called Air. It's about Michael Jordan. Oh, and it was it's produced by uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. So those those hmm. two are at it again. So that should be good. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was uh, Twelve Angry Men, and for next. Uh, movie this month it is uh, your pick yes and it is the princess bride indeed I remember you um, making some references to this movie and I I never seen it and uh, everybody was so outraged that I haven't seen it so that's uh, (laughs) exactly I know I've been shamed for not seeing it. So I, I'm definitely excited to see that and um, be uh, emulate to the game, but friendly switching around and having a movie I had up on you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, the turntables. Yes. Very excited for that one. So yeah, if you guys want to reach out to us and talk to us about movies, uh, check out our Instagram, Gmail and discord in the description. If you join our Discord link to check us out, you can chat with us in the Popcorn Club or chat with us in some movie discussion tabs there and or game discussion tabs and just tell us how you feel about things and more freeform discussions there. So 
Yeah, absolutely. Hope to see you there. Awesome. See you guys. See ya.